Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to Fintech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls Fintech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer or coffee or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Welcome back to a very special episode here of FinTech Brews and News. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. And we are on the road. We're actually in the heart of Kansas City today at a special place, uh, Emmanuel Family and Child Development Center. And our guest today is Bill Dana. Bill, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks, Nikki. I am Bill Dana. I am a board director uh, of Central Bank of Kansas City. I used to be president, CEO, and also vice chairman. Still involved with the bank in a lot of ways, so glad to be here today. 30 years at the bank. Yes, it's uh, in combination uh, with 70 years of the bank's existence, just celebrated their anniversary this year. Bill's tenure at the bank, um, the stories, uh, the the DNA of CBKC, so much of that has to do with Bill. Um, I'm not sure if this led him to retirement, but he was my boss for the last seven years along the way. I would lead a- anybody to retirement. Let's, Absolutely. Let's be honest. So Central Bank of Kansas City, uh, obviously, once again, the parent company of Central Payments, uh, which Trent founded. And that has also, of course, led us to uh, Falls Fintech, uh, the accelerator branch of uh, everything that we're doing here on the fintech side of the house. So it's been really a pleasure to watch all three of these things kind of come to fruition. So one of the things um, that if you've watched prior episodes of Fintech Brews, we've taken you through sort of the the history and the, the chronology of Central Bank of Kansas City, Central Payments, Falls Fintech, how it all fits together. Um, the reason it fits together is, is this guy right here. Um, and, you know, Bill, walk us through what it means to be a community development financial institution. We'll get to the fintech stuff. That's what Nikki and I talk about all the time. Um, but today, take us back to the 90s and where Central found itself um, and why we felt like becoming a CDFI was important, not just to the bank, but to the, to the community, the neighborhood. Well, there's a, there's a long history to that. Uh, the bank was founded 70 years ago. We're celebrating our anniversary this year, so we're very proud of that. But it's in, uh, when you talk about DNA, it is built into the DNA, the service to the community. As the neighborhoods uh, moved out of the central city, 
the neighborhood deteriorated. So our bank uh, continued its presence there because they had a very loyal customer base and following inside that northeast part of Kansas City. So we decided to stay there in the early 90s, in the mid 90s. Uh, there was a product that was envisioned by Congress and passed legislatively. The Community Development Financial Institution Act created the CDFI fund. Uh, we had the ability to apply for and receive certification under that fund. We did so in 1998 and we became a CDFI. There's about 1,100 CDFIs in the country. There's only about 150 banks under that designation. The rest of them are loan funds or credit unions, or there's a few joint ventures as well that are certified CDFIs. The, 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 re, the reason or the rationale for providing value to our community is supported through government uh, grants that you can apply for as a CDFI. Just because you apply for them doesn't mean that you'll get them, but the concept is, We'll help you do this hard work, this heavy lifting that nobody else wants to do by engaging um, cash to help you provide services inside that framework. So essentially, um, we became a CDFI to serve the community in a better way. So we, we ultimately decided to become a CDFI. <clears throat> Give us a sense of central bank's leadership in the space. Give us a sense of the 1,100 uh, community development financial institutions, and the 150 that are actually banks. Give us a sense of the leadership of Central Bank of Kansas City in this space. Well, you're gonna make me brag a little bit. Please do. Uh, so we are considered a leader. You know, we've applied for just about every program that banks are eligible to apply for. There's about probably six different uh, awards that we won under the program, and they, they repeat each other uh, annually. They're appropriated annually by Congress. The hope is that we can get to a permanent appropriation from Congress. Right now it's on an annual basis and it's it's beloved by both sides of the aisle because uh, the results are in the impact that we deliver to yeah, the, results the, are right here. the distressed community. Absolutely. Uh, an example is the uh, early childhood development center we're sitting in today. So uh, no, I, be, because, because of that leadership role, we're looked to as examples. Uh, we always bear that in mind because if we misstep in any way, we're misstepping for the industry. So we want to make sure that we keep that pure. So that's what's interesting to me is that's a lot of work. When, when you guys decided to apply to be a CDFI, what... What was the call? Was that laid on your heart to say, this is where we belong, this is our DNA, this is our mission as a financial institution, when that's a ton of work to uphold those standards? As a bank, we're required to follow all the rules that everybody else does. Mm -hmm. So capital and liquidity and earnings and management and uh, you know, all of the things that other banks do, we're required. As a CDFI, we're held to a higher standard because the majority of our activity has to be in a distressed community. Most banks don't want to be in a distressed community. A low-income community is hard to make money in. So we had a calling. You know, it was in the DNA of the shareholders. The management team, the directors, all have to buy into that shareholder uh, vision of delivering service to this community. Uh, the founders of the bank were located in the northeast part of the city, and that's where our current headquarters is. We did not abandon it. When I first uh, came on board in 1991, the director says, 
we've already been approved to move. You need to see where we need to move to. And I said, well, just let's hold on and see if this, this location works. And sure enough, I believed uh, that the, the location could work and that we could uh, do good work in, in the mission that we chose, which was delivering value you know, through products and services to the slow to moderate income community. So if you think about Independence Avenue, Northeast KC, um, found immigrant founders of CBKC, um, wonderful, wonderful stories. But I think one of the things that I find so interesting is we are in a neighborhood where we saw an, ex an exit of banks, right? An exodus of banks. CBKC doubled down. Everybody else is leaving and we said, no, no, let's, let's stay and let's do more. Because the bar, like you said, is, is very high to be a CDFI. We are the only bank in Kansas City headquartered east of Troost. When people were closing branches east of Troost, we were opening branches east of Troost. We had the first uh, Spanish-speaking branch in uh, the Kansas City metropolitan area. It was located down in a Spanish-speaking part of town. Uh, and frankly, the uh, creation of central payments or the prepaid debit card originating with a debit card that was designed to service that Spanish-speaking community back in 2002. So we always kept that product on the shelf through 2000, 2014 when central payments became uh, a thing. Uh, we actually tried with two other um, prior CEOs of uh, the prepaid card division, ended up uh, hiring Trent in 2014. Fast forward to Nikki and Falls Fintech and all the rest of the team, it's uh, been a great journey. One of the things we talk about on Fintech Brews often um, is how did we connect the dots between a family-owned bank, inner city Kansas City, um, 70 years, and now all of a sudden you're in the fastest growing area of, of banking in, in this fintech space. I don't think there's anybody better to help our audience understand how we got here and how it actually um, can be Almost traced back. Almost traced back, right? How is central payments and false fintech and those things continuing this legacy around what we always say, you know, serving the folks of modest means? What was your vision back in 2012? Well, that's a great question. You know, let me let me say, explain that in two stories. You know, the first one is about our CDFI, our Community Development Financial Institution designation. And some entities were formed to become CDFIs. Others were CDFIs by accident. I don't think there was any accidental uh, creation of this mission. Our mission was always to serve our community. It just so happens that we chose that community that was low income, that had immigrants, that had minorities, that had disparity from uh, you know, a monetary products and services uh, that created our opportunity to serve that market when other folks did not want to go there. We served uh, a low to moderate income population back in the early 2000, 2001, 2002. We were in a primary um, position of delivering a prepaid debit card to the Spanish speaking community. So we delivered that card and actually had uh, Spanish uh, advertising and brochures, La Tejeta Segura, and that card uh, did not work very well. And it didn't work very well because the Spanish audience didn't trust us. 
we were a bank, so it was very difficult for it to work. But we kept it on the shelf anyway, and we sold it to the low to moderate income population that really didn't want a bank account, or frankly, couldn't afford a bank account. So in the early days, we would say, well, how about this uh, prepaid debit card? And that way you won't have any overdrafts, and you will be only charged a small dollar amount per month, and you will save yourself hundreds of dollars a year by having this card that does not have allow overdrafts. From that genesis, fast forward to 2012 when we got back into the payments business or the prepaid debit card business in a, in a larger way, then 2014 we, we hired Trent and, and Nikki came along a few years later and uh, we developed False Fintech. And do you, do you see what we're doing at Central Payments as an extension of serving those same consumers? You know, it's really interesting because the world of banking is changing so dramatically. Fewer and fewer branches, higher and higher uh, low-touch, high digital delivery, high electronic delivery. So, um, you know, payments is the way of the future. So we need to be uh, involved in that. And by extension, as our CDFI um, requirements, majority of our activity has to be to low to moderate income population. We think the debit card business and, and the payments business in so many ways delivers to that audience in spades. One of my one of, of my many, many stories of my time with Bill over the last seven years, one of the things he always said to me, I would bring a new deal. Hey, I want to do this. We're going to do this. I got this great opportunity. And Bill would be like, okay, that's interesting. Tell me how it serves our communities. Okay. Tell, tell me how it helps make the financial lives of, again, folks with modest means just a little bit better. And so, you know, that was so refreshing for me um, to have to look at opportunities and say, are we extending the, the mission of CBKC? Out of Northeast KC, worldwide, um, but still embedded in that is this DNA of, of serving people. Bill, when we look at your last 30 years with Central Bank of Kansas City, what are some of the projects, the initiatives that you're most proud of? Did you want me to get the Kleenex now for your tears, Nikki, or are you going to try to hold back? No, well, at this point, I mean, once again, sitting in this beautiful facility, I'm sure this tops your list as one of those. It sure does. You know, there's very um, significant projects that we've done over the years. We've been involved in uh, this special niche business under the CDFI world uh, since about 2005 called New Markets Tax Credits. And we've probably done about 65 projects under uh, New Markets, which is batting way above our weight because these are typically $10 million projects. And, you know, we're a very small bank that does a uh, smaller deal size than that typically. But with this tool, we have the ability to provide equity into projects that uh, typically would not be able to receive it uh, without uh, new markets tax credits. Because these deals are so tight and the whole deal, you know, that new markets tax credit is sort of the last piece that, that makes the deal, gives the deal juice, right? It makes it work. Well, that's exactly right. When we tell uh, applicants that they, that they want to uh, apply for new markets tax credits, we say, well, the rest of your project has to be complete. We're the last uh, piece of the puzzle. So when that goes in there, it should be uh, tight enough that that's the piece that you need to make it work. But when you talk about favorite projects, uh, Emmanuel uh, Family and Child Development Center is at the top of the list. You know, it's it's great, and I know that we're going to hear about that from Deborah Mann at some time in the future, so we're excited about that. 
I have, I have the wonderful privilege of sitting on the board of directors with Bill. Uh, and yesterday, we had a board meeting. Talk a little bit about how CBKC has expanded its reach in CDFIs, states, projects. Talk about some of the initiatives as we think about beyond even early childhood education. What are some of the other types of projects that, that we really find ourselves getting involved in and we're really drawn to? Well, affordable housing is so important in the low to moderate income community. In fact, there's a dearth of affordable housing even in the inner city where you think it would be um, easily attainable. You know, it's, it's, it's ramshackle housing that's available that's not fit to live. So affordable housing uh, uh, provides, uh, you know, a good place to live for folks that can't afford as much as uh, others in different circumstances. So uh, we've gotten into low-income house tax credit financing. Uh, we've got a product under the CDFI fund that we've applied for and received, the Capital Magnet Fund, which works well with uh, low-income housing uh, tax credit projects because the compliance period is very similar. But we're delivering uh, products, uh, housing to uh, people that are 80% of uh, median income, 60% of median income, 50% of in median income, and 30% of median income. And we're required under the Capital Magnet Fund to deliver those both in units and in dollars. So we're uh, excited about that prospect. And right now we're in uh, Kansas and Missouri, soon uh, expanding uh, beyond that. Uh, our states uh, currently are 10, uh, but we believe in next round, uh, we will probably expand to 14 new states, mostly in the Midwest corridor. So that's just one example of a, a product that we think is gonna have great traction. My counterpart on the bank side is Steve Giles, uh, who uh, has the very challenging task of following Bill as the CEO of the bank. Um, and you know they're really doubling down on this. It's, it's fascinating to see the excitement um, among Steve and his team about extending that reach further. Now that we're thinking about Michigan and Illinois and Wyoming and Colorado, uh, it's it, it, it's really interesting. And, right. and, and it goes back to Bill, like it starts it with Bill. It does, and that's, that's what's so exciting is to watch this. I mean, if you're bad at anything, Bill, it's retiring, let's be <laughs> honest. I mean, even though you wanna get Trent, you know, hand that off, um, the, the process towards getting to that next season, I suppose has been challenging because you've been so passionate about everything that you do um, for this community, would that be true? It is, um, after being the CEO for 30 years, 20, 28 years, frankly, and then handed it off to Steve. And, um, you know, the, the thing that makes it easy, though, when we hire people like Trent and Steve, uh, Trent to run central payments and Steve to run the bank, and, you know, it makes that transition so much smoother. When you talk about favorite projects, I didn't, uh, I was remiss in talking about one other one I'd like to go back to. Please. Please. So there's a project on Truce, and it's a, um, a preschool. It's uh, called Operation Breakthrough. It was founded by two nuns in uh, the early 70s. And essentially, it became sort of the place for folks of low income to bring their kids and, and get care uh, during the day. And it has expanded to a point where they needed to, they had outgrown their building. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's important for the audience to understand what Truist really right. is. It is the, and has been for years, and still is today, the de facto racial segregation line east and west of Truist. And, and east of Truist is the low-income, disinvested community 
west of Truce is the upper income and the projects all get developed west of Truce. So if you're east of Truce, it's kind of like our bank headquarters, only one located east of Truce until you get in uh, out in other cities. But uh, this pr project was to buy the building across the street on the west side of Troost, uh, which was, um, uh, you know, the, the home headquarters was going to be east of Troost. So the concept was architecturally and vision-wise from the founders and the uh, executive director was to build a bridge for the kids to get from one building to the other without having to cross the street and busy Troost Avenue. But that bridge means a lot more. The bridge more. is more symbolic than it is actually, in, in addition to being an access point for the kids to get across the other side. But these kids are doing robotics, they're doing uh, television uh, video producing, uh, they're doing a foreign language, they've got music and art classes in this new building that we helped them acquire and remodel. So we're very proud of that one as well. You should be. You should be. And that's just scratching the surface. There's many, many, many more. So, you know, I want to take this opportunity, um, honestly, just to say thank you. Um, thank you for believing in central payments. Thank you for coming up with the idea and then calling me and I, me saying, I don't think it's the right time, Bill. I don't think this is going to work. And then you called me back and said, no, we're really going to do it. Remind um, everybody when he called you back the second time. He called me um, during the holiday season when I was commuting back and forth to Atlanta. And he may have dropped a hint like, aren't you tired of commuting to Atlanta all the time? By the way, it might be Christmas Eve. Are you in the airport? Yeah, what are you doing? Feel? You're not with your family. Um, but no, I mean, Bill reached out. He had a vision for this thing. Um, and it was really easy for me actually to come in and try to execute on that vision because it was clear where his head was um, and it was clear where ownership's head was. And uh, you know, I, I haven't many, had many bosses in my career that, uh, that mean as much to me as, as you do. So I, I'm, I'm just unbelievably honored to, you know, kind of this last sort of last seven years with you as you sort of ride off into retirement, it was, it was just an honor for me to be a part of it. Well, that's kind of you to say, and thank you, Trent. I appreciate that. But, you know, the, the, you have easy people to manage and you have more difficult to pe people to manage. And then, then you've got Trent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and oh boy. Oh. But the, the fact is, Trent brings you ideas and concepts that are very different, very unique, very challenging, but always with an opportunity. You know, you look at, is this a challenge or is this an opportunity? Is this a problem or is it something that we can help solve? And that's really the collaborative effort that, that Trent and I have had over the last seven years is that collaborative problem solving opportunity uh, that we work together to try and get done. Yeah, you can, you can bring any problem to Bill and he's gonna listen and we're gonna talk through it no matter what it is. Bill, as you think about this next season and wrapping up your 30 years at Central Bank of Kansas City, what are some departing thoughts that might be swirling around in your mind that you would want to leave to future um, bankers or people looking to to change the world? Change the world's pretty heavy, um, but I think it comes down to doing good. You know, do well by doing good. Do good by doing well. You know, there's a there's a social responsibility that we all have. And if you can think about that person across from you on the other side of the desk that's applying for a loan, or maybe in different straits than you are, or maybe have, has had, uh, not by their choice, just different uh, challenges that's been placed upon them due to their circumstance, how do they feel? So think of how uh, it would be good to deliver value for that person. One of the things that we always preached 
um, when I was going through the, the 30 years was we have to show folks the opportunity. We have to say, well, do you know about um, budgeting? Do you know about saving for retirement? Do you know if you write that bad check, there's going to be a $25 charge? You know, part of it is just about education. So you, we have always had a big focus on financial education and financial literacy, uh, as Central Payments does. You know, part of the process of developing these digital delivery tools is to have that educational component that shows them how you can save money or do better in your own financial world. So I think if I had uh, a send off to other bankers in the world, it's a uh, sit in the other person's shoes, um, uh, walk in the, uh, sh uh, a mile in those shoes and, and think about what it is to be on the other side and how we can deliver solutions for those folks. I think that's industry agnostic for our world today. That message needs to be heard more now than ever is be kind, walk a mile in someone else's shoes and um, really kind of look more at, at the opportunities than anything. So mm. thanks for that message. Thanks for joining us, Bill. What a what a great capstone for fintech brews is to have you on today. I, I'm I'm just it's, it's my favorite episode. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today um, from Emanuel Family and Child Development Center. Uh, and thank you very much again for Bill um, spending time with us today. And we look forward to uh, another episode coming soon. Till then, see you guys. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fintech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls Fintech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.